Okay. It didn't take as long as I thought. All right. Hey, it's Brent Leary. It's the first uh, live stream of the week. You know this is the BBC. You know it's not the dudes over in London. It's it's right here at Stockbridge. Brent Broadcasting Channel here. And this is a special A Few Good Minutes because it's not just A Few Good Minutes. It's A Few Good Minutes today. But then there's a carryover, or as we like to say, a crossover tomorrow with Enterprise Hits and Misses, which is nice. hosted by the one and only John Reed, who is joining me right now. What's up, man? Yeah, this is this is going to be good. We are we are really going to break both of our shows, which is <laughs> which is cool. I was just reading over some of the history of crossovers and TV. Some of them were really bad. I told you about the Ally McBeal practice oh one. God. We got to we got to be careful, or we're going to wind up there. No, but, uh, we're not doing that, man. We're, we're, we're the last thing we will do is wind up there. But let's let's give them the impetus, or at least the reason why we wanted to do crossover, because we there's the right crossover, and and this is how it kind of went. See Wednesday, two great shows together in an unprecedented television event: Law and Order and Homicide on a case straight from today's headlines. Nerve gas in crowded subways. Everybody was running, screaming. Two cities, two attacks. It's the same guy. It starts in Law and Order's New York. We violated the defendant's constitutional rights. The story ends on homicide. You can't stop anything. Law and Order and Homicide together starts Wednesday, 10, 9 Central on NBC. See, that's the way, that, that's what got us going because, you know, Law and Order, Homicide, Lenny Briscoe, Frank Pim- the, that's the way we need to do this thing, man. Can I be Frank Pimbleton? I, I know the <laughs> I know the physical resemblance is kind of stretching it a little bit, but I love that guy. It's the wrong guy. That's yeah. I mean, that's just perfect. Hey man, that's high drama, man. That's that's how it is. A- absolutely. And and not only that, we there are two cities because I'm down here in the Atlanta Metro and you're up there in the in the Boston area. So we got that kind of covered. Yeah, indeed. <laughs> I guess I guess two, I'm, two cities, two cities under duress. <laughs> yeah, and of course, Al. <laughs> wow. <yeah. laughs> and Al is wondering who's Law and Order and who's well. Uh, was it Law and Order first, and then carried over to Ham? I think that's how it went. So yeah, I, yep. I guess I'm Law and Order. I'm Lenny Briscoe. All right, I'm, I'm good with that. All right, cool. <laughs> All right, man. So we're having a little fun, but you know, we got some really interesting things to talk about. Uh, we're going to be talking about. A little about data privacy, but that's for your show tomorrow. But for right yep. now, you know, we, we got we you, you first of all, you do the your co-founder of Diginomica, you know, one of the great online publishing outlets for anything enterprise software. And, and you guys do hardware, too, right? I mean, you guys kind of do it all. We do a lot. We try to look at enterprise transformation from every possible angle we can. You do a good job with that. But the thing that I really like about what you do is sometimes the stuff that happens is, is great, works out, you know, the way it's planned or even better in some instances. Sometimes it doesn't, man. So I love the enterprise hits and misses thing. Yeah, man. I mean, it's every week there's some hard stuff to talk about as well. And I'm basically trying to do both. Um, you know, I mean, the thing is that, Unfortunately, we don't like to learn from our mistakes in this industry, but we have to. Um, and we also have to laugh a little bit. Um, 
So I'm basically right now I'm plugging our show uh, on LinkedIn that I'm going to log off of LinkedIn because if you're hearing that ping, that's probably from my side, which is really <laughs> annoying. Yeah, I wasn't going to say. Anything. Yeah, yeah. No, this this ping's going to go away. Let me get off of LinkedIn. So yeah. so yeah, so the whole idea is like, you know, call attention to the hard stuff, but also have a little bit of fun along the way. I don't think we uh, do a very good job of, of uh, humorizing the enterprise, but basically sometimes if you don't laugh, you'll cry. So, uh, but yeah, so it's my chance to do kind of a weekly roundup. And then I thought, well, you know, it'd be really cool to kind of try to capture that vibe in video. And so that's actually kind of came to you for that, to get some advice on how to pull this off on LinkedIn live and stuff. So, so far it's gone pretty good. So no, thanks. You created good. a monster. <laughs> well, you know what? We better shout out the Sandy Lowe from uh yeah so oh, yeah because she, first of all she we, it's not that we would need to give her the credit she's already taken the credit she for has. putting us together <laughs> so anything that happens if it's a hit or if it's a miss we can just throw it off on her at this point so just saying. yep San, if you don't like this show blame sandy she already took, <laughs> she already said this is hers so all right now i know one thing that you really got deep into especially over the past 15, 16 months is a whole virtual event scene. And, mm. you know, let's face it. We had to, we had to go virtual. Companies had to go virtual because nobody could go out for a while. And, and, you know, uh, they had to figure out a way to stay connected and still, you know, get their messages and stuff across. And so all these events over the last you know year and a half or so, the most part have been, virtual events now you're starting to see with the pandemic and you know, kind of seeing the you know the the light at the end of the tunnel you're starting to see uh you know maybe they're called hybrid events where a small portion of folks are actually at a live event but it's transmitted to a broader audience virtually you said yourself that you're about to take your first trip since this whole thing uh came out next uh, next week so Give us a state of how well these companies have done putting on these virtual events <laughs> and where, where are the misses? What have been some of the, the things that they haven't gotten right? Oh, my goodness. Uh, you know, I, I did a whole series on this art of virtual events on Digonomic. I actually posted a link in our private chat. If we could share it at some point socially. But um, unfortunately, we have not done a very good job with our virtual events whatsoever. And um, I'm, I'm disappointed about it because I feel there's a lot of lost possibilities that were never tried. I have some ideas behind this, and I, I know probably some of my comments are going to tick people off, and event organizers are going to say, oh, events are hard, and they are hard. But I do want to say one thing, which is I am a creative event designer, and I have put on events for a long time. So I have taken a lot of chances on the ground with events and done a bunch of stuff that I've never seen vendors do, such as unconference days, which is almost unheard of in an enterprise setting. It's not unheard of in like geeky settings, <laughs> which I also frequent to learn from the geeks. Um, so anyway, I, I, I've, I, I've learned the hard way. And so I feel like I have some ability to criticize here. And unfortunately, I think the problem that we have right now is, first of all, these hybrid events that are coming, they don't deserve the word hybrid. That they're, they're going to be streaming keynotes and that's it. That's a very passive broadcast relationship. That's not a hybrid event. If you think a hybrid event is a streaming keynote, that's a total fail in terms of your event creativity. I'm sorry. Um, and the, the thing that I'm a little worried about here is, well, two things. I think one thing is I think 
some vendors are kind of rushing on the ground events with kind of a optimism about people's readiness to attend. And the if they had embraced hybrid a little better, what they could do is be much more flexible and say, hey, we'd love to have you on the ground if you're ready or in the region. Or, But if you're not, there's all kinds of ways you can engage without being on the ground. And it does, look, hybrid events are hard. They take more work. To go beyond the streaming keynote does take work, so I'm not going to sugarcoat that. But what 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 if you can do it, it gives you a lot more flexibility in terms of the kind of events you can have. And if for some reason you do get concerned about, say, um, you know, a, a coronavirus variant that, that we're a little worried about later in the fall or something, then you can scale back and go to your online. It gives you a little more flexibility around, like, how you want to do it, or if, or if your numbers are down, you can scale back the event and do more virtual. So I think the problem that we're running into right now is that virtual events are hard, vendors struggle with them, and so they thought, well, I can't wait to get back to on the ground because that, that's so much better. That's my comfort zone. But the problem was that on-the-ground events weren't very good either. <laughs> on-the-ground events were broken also, and, and this is an important point we can argue about. But what I would say is the reason we liked on-the-ground events is because we saw each other. And when we see each other again, even if we're wearing masks, it's going to be a wonderful thing to see each other. And so that good vibe is going to overwhelm the deficiencies that we've always had in these on-the-ground events. So basically, my position is that we didn't get virtual events right, and we didn't have on-the-ground on the events right. So we don't really have anything right when it comes to enterprise wow. events. But but there's an opportunity to do better, and and there are some 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 vendors that are fig that are starting to get that idea. So. Wow, you said a lot there. Um, let's uh, the thing that I think really caught my attention even more than some of the other things was, you know, uh, the virtual events. The vendors say the virtual events are hard, which are definitely difficult in a sense that they're not. You can't do the same thing face to face and, and then try to pass it off virtually and expect it to work out. But what you're even saying is, even those face to face things didn't work out to begin with, so you couldn't even do. Uh, you know, bring those to the virtual stage because then you're just bringing something that didn't work virtually, which that means Bingo. there's more people to not deceive the fail, so to speak. But then the thing that really got me is they're rushing to get back to the the face to face events because even though you know there may be some fails, at least they're comfortable with those kind of familiar fails, and they are anticipating that we're so happy to get back and be able to see each other, whether we're wearing a mask or not, that we'll, even, we'll be more likely to overlook the, the fails from the previous, you know, pre-COVID uh, event experience. We'll just be so happy to get back that we will overlook that. And so that's part of the reason that they want to get these things going quick. Yep. You got it. <laughs> that's a whole host of problems we could probably spend more than a few good minutes uh, unpacking all of that. Uh, but I, I do want to emphasize a little bit, though, that 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 there are creative opportunities. Um, and 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 I think that's the thing that gets me excited is that occasionally I do have these experiences online and also sometimes in person that really show me um, that there are opportunities out there that Alan's comment. He asked about metrics. Was that right? Just yeah. now? Event metrics are part of the problem. Yeah, I mean, Alan, I, I would say so because because I think we're still looking at raw lead gen metrics for the most mm -hmm. part 
in terms of how we judge an event's success or failure. And I think, unfortunately, that's a really narrow set of metrics. And, and Alan, I mean, you're, you're a smart person, so you know that in our industry we have a bunch of metrics that don't really work very well. I mean, we could, we could, Brent, we could talk about it in terms of things like this video. Like, are we going to look at like, oh, how many eyeballs did we get? You know, is that how we're going to evaluate it? And, and Alan, what I always come back to is that what we're trying to measure, if we can, is not these raw volume metrics. It's got like, oh, we broke our attendee record again. Oh, we're, that's so awesome. It's like, what kind of engagement did we get? What, what kind of conversations developed from that? What kind of community interactions were fostered? Those aren't always the easiest things to measure, but there are ways of, of doing it. Um, I hate to say surveys because that's not my favorite. <laughs> but, uh, but, but the point being like, I don't know about you, Brent, but when I think about what was a successful video show for me, I think about the caliber of the conversation around it. You know, like, like, like if, if Alan keeps commenting and then other people start commenting, that's great. If, if it's just quiet out there, that worries me, you know? It's, I think the quality of the conversation is paramount because even if there aren't a lot of people watching in real time, if the content is good enough and you're able to position it in a certain way, you'll get a level of engagement after the show. Right, but I do like I like the real time aspect of doing this, and I think, and I, you know, I'm leaving Esteban's comment up there. We can get to it when we we get a chance. Um, but as he hates to ha- answer a question with a question, but I think the thing that was missed on the most when it comes to these virtual events is enticing real time engagement, embracing real time engagement. A lot of times, you know. These things, these events are very scripted and there is a very big hesitancy to, to break from the script and, and bring in that real time opportunity. And I understand, you know, there, our attention spans are short. You can't. You know, I've just, I think the good things that have been the case is two, two and a half hour keynotes have been compressed into. I've seen them as little as 30 minutes, 15 minutes. I think that's a smart move when you're talking virtual because there's so many different things going on and people, I've got five screens. I'm sure you got about as, as, at least that. And if it's not kept keeping our attention, it's too easy to transfer our attention to other stuff. So I, I have seen the some adjustments, but I think the one thing that's really been missing is I think they, they look at the attendee as a spectator and they don't allow them to in, be more of a participant in some form or fashion. I think that's been one of the biggest misses when it comes to these uh, virtual events. Totally. I'll give a good example of a way to combat that in a sec. Esteban thing saying, well, Alan's, what are the goals of the event? I, I think Esteban nailed it there because I think I would argue that most vendors who put on events, their goals are uh, branding, messaging, and lead gen. And that's why these events fall flat. Is, is it in that order, though? <laughs> It feels like yeah, hard to say they might fight over the order, but what we end up, what we end up with are these broadcasting events. Yeah. And, and vendors do, do fear real time engagement and user generated content. Of course, of course they do. Um, but, uh, but, but, you know, you, you can, you can spend your whole life uh, running around worrying about compliance and legality and stuff like that. Or you can, or you can take a brave break, break from that. And obviously you have to think about those things, but you, you know, that's what, 
good event moderation is all about is anticipating that stuff. The same thing comes up in, in online communities and we figured out how to handle that to some extent. Now, so, so let me just give one example, like uh, the event producers that did web summit and collision, which, which became these huge online conferences. And what, what I think one of the missed opportunities is you don't have to re reinvent the entire event. They still had a bunch of broadcast sessions and stuff like that but they created pockets of, of creative engagement. And so I think that's one thing that event planners can start to do is to figure out, hey, can we create some pockets of engagement that are manageable for us? Like, so instead of having a totally hybrid event, maybe you have a, a, a real live stream in, in one part of the venue. And, and that's the place where the live stream is happening all day long, for example. So instead of live streaming everything, which could get crazy, you figure out, oh, how can we live stream certain sessions? Um, in the case of Web Summit, they did something amazing for media. What they did was they created these media-led panels where I could go and meet people like yourself, but people around the world internationally, journalists, and we would have these conversations online about things like monetization and advertising or the issue of, of, of free speech versus community moderation. I'm talking with people, someone's in Spain, someone's in uh, Brazil and these working journalists all around the world. I, I might not even have experienced that in a real time event, um, but I did online and it just took a bit of creativity on their part to come up with this. And the thing is that online is it creates a great format for that. All you have to do is do it. And, and that's, what's been so frustrating to me is how few Vendors have taken that chance and say, well, we may not be able to create that for all participants, and maybe all participants don't want it, but we could do it for VIPs. We could do it for people who who want to pay extra and maybe have that engagement. I've seen that work. Um, there are ways to do it that are super cool. Um, I can give more examples. but you know, Now, one of the things that we've run across, uh, me being, or we being, Sierra and Flair being and Paul Greenberg, we, we uh, started doing some experimenting stuff around, you know, using these live stream platforms. And uh, one of the things that we experimented around was doing uh, simulcasts of virtual events, like keynotes at, at some of the big conferences where we're able watch to- Watch parties, watch party basically, right? Basically a watch party. We stream it in yep. and then we're on screen and we're like, you know, saying our initial thoughts and we have, you know, the people commenting and we're sharing the comments and- uh, some organizations welcome it. Some organizations like, and I don't, I, I just don't want to point out, you know, the positive or negative ones. I'm just going to just say what it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but one of the things that we found is that the, the, the folks who understand the value that creates in terms of real time feedback, you know, sometimes it's, it's going to be positive. Sometimes it's not going to be positive, but it's real. And, and, you know, some of them are saying, hey, you know, we'd like we'd love to participate in some way. Can we offer up, you know, something? And we said, yeah, we can we can have your uh, an executive come on and, you know, kind of do a, a post game interview kind of thing, which is great. Uh, the others are like, we can't. No, we no, we can't control the you know things to get at. Yeah. Sorry. I think the ones who uh, have you know gain the most are the ones who are you know, brave enough to hear what's going on, hear what people think. Yeah. You, got, you might have some folks who have access to grind, but you can also see if there's like a hundred people on and, and there's only a couple of folks who are really outside of, you know, what's happening, then you can kind of dismiss that and go with the actual, you know, the, uh, you know, the, the, the big consensus 
of what's going on. And I think the ones who do that, they stand a chance not only to gain a better insight of what to do next, but also, you know, embrace you know, what's going to be happening because you can't control the message. You can just put what up, what you want out there. And then you're going to have to live with whatever, you know, you know, the, the reaction is you got to get used to that. And if, if you try to mm-hmm. avoid that, you, you really, uh, you do everybody a disjust a, a disservice in that regard. Totally. And I thought, I think it's great. I mean, you, 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 you and you and Paul in some various combinations have done some of the most interesting stuff in the last year, as far as experimenting with, Hey, what can we do with this format? And can we, and, and, and to me, part of what you did there that was exciting was sort of creating this sort of feeling of a cultural event. Um, and, and, and you think about it from an in-person perspective in our industry where, where Dreamforce is sort of the gold standard as far as like the event I don't want to miss every year because it's a cultural event in our industry. Right. And so, other event organizers have kind of aspired to that. And there's other vendors I think that have come closer. I don't want to single them all out, but there's others that, but that's sort of the obvious crazy over the top one. Well, we, we don't have a single vendor that's come that's accomplished that online where it's like, Oh my God, I got to be at their online event because it's a cultural event. You know, you know how it goes. It's like, Oh, catch the stream on replay, you know, (laughs) and, 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 I think you guys are doing a great service by saying, hey, let's have a watch party and let's inject some live jugular immediacy in, into, into, into what's happening because that's what's missing from these events is that sense of, oh, wow, this is sort of a cultural event. I, I want to be a part of it in some, some way. Um, what, what, what's Alan saying there? I missed Alan's comment. Uh, let's put that out there again. If you have a strong corporate, you see, there's a bit of a joke there because – Alan yeah. is Mr. Corporate Narrative, so everything comes back to the corporate narrative with Alan. So, yeah, <laughs> so. yeah absolutely. Well, and, and also, look, I mean, online, you're going to have more what I would call trolls, and trolls just have to be booted out. I mean, that, there's just there's a troll management thing. But as far as critics, critics are your friend. I mean, yeah. Do, do you really want a bunch of people blowing smoke, or do you want someone saying, well, this is what you have to fix? Because I don't know about you. I'd rather hear about what I have to fix. Absolutely, because if you if you don't hear that, you keep making the same mistake every virtual event you do or any v- event. Because this doesn't have anything to do with virtual. It's just that uh, it's. I think the main thing is you you do a face to face live event. You can ask for a feedback, and you get the feedback directly. It's not the feedback is not seen by everybody. With these virtually streamed kind of things that what like we did with our our watch party, the comments are out there, and yep. and the good ones are out there, the bad ones are out there, and and the stupid ones are out there too. You can ignore the stupid ones. As a matter of fact, uh, one thing that did happen at one of our um, live streams was that somebody went below the belt. Let's just put it, a comment was just off the wall. Didn't make any sense. The community of folks that were watching the live stream cut them off. The vendor didn't have to do anything. Right. The community of folks that were watching cut them off because you can recognize when somebody is saying something that has an axe to grind versus a real criticism, a real critique. And sure. if you're if you are engaged with that audience, you don't even have to say anything. The audience will take care of itself. But if you're afraid of the audience, there's no audience because they won't even be there. Well, it'll be there. It'll just be there, and you don't have any 
engagement with that audience, which is, I think, the even worse at this mm. point. Yeah, totally. I went to a really amazing show um, earlier this year. It was a smaller show, but uh, it, it was for Zoom geeks and people who like produce video content. And what they did is they they had a, a VIP track that was like basically when keynote speakers rolled off the stage, they would land kind of in this backstage area. And, and those who had paid extra for the VIP track could interact with them. And this went on all day long, even during the keynote. So you could go with a live stream, but then you could also go backstage and listen to these keynote speakers argue with each other. And you never really see that in real life, right? Because, okay, <laughs> you, you have one keynote and then they go and then the next keynote. Now they're arguing with each other and they're coming from really different perspectives because they're, they're different expertise. And then, and then people asking questions and um, I, couldn't get a, I couldn't get enough of it. And, and I was just, but, but you have to have a little, little bit of courage, right? Because you're basically inviting a distraction because you're saying, you know, okay, it's okay if you're not watching my keynote right now on the main stage. I don't mind if you're interacting backstage with these other VIPs or whatever. And, and, and what it is, it's just a, a, it reflects this vendor confidence that we're creating culture around what we do. Mm-hmm. And, and that's the meaningful part is all these relationships that we're building with each other. And that's, what's going to see us through is in, and, and just watching the amazing comments in the chat. Um, there was one guy who participated who was paralyzed from, from the neck down. And he, he was like, I, someone was like, why in the keynote? He's like, I, these, these conversations, I can't get enough of these conversations. This is where I want to be. And, and one of the points he made is that when you, when you go back to, on the ground events, you're going to exclude me again. Like right now I feel included in everything that's happening, like, like everyone else. But, but then in the, on the ground event, I'm just going to be someone else watching a keynote. And, and to me, it was just so compelling. It's like, yes, we have so many opportunities to, to use online, to extend our reach in a way that includes people, but it's just like return to work. It's like, how do we make sure that people who aren't there feel like they still have a voice when the rest of the people are back. And I think that's one of the really tricky parts here. So we have a lot to figure out. Well, you said you're going to your first, you're traveling. I am. For, for Vegas, the baby. Next week. The Vegas. Oh man, it's Vegas again. All right. Tell me what, how do you go into an event now after 60 months of not going there doing everything virtual how do you think that's changed the way that you approach going to these events it's really interesting i don't I, i've been asking myself that and i'm not totally sure what's gonna what's gonna happen when i'm on the ground um i think one thing i will probably do is i'll probably partake of keynotes from from my room just because i'm still getting used to being around big crowds of people again so that's just me mm-hmm. uh but um but you know the one thing i'm really prioritizing at this event is my like one to one time and small meeting time with people face to face cuz i feel like that's a big part of what i've missed i mean i i have done a lot of like obviously online stuff like but it's a little bit different in person to have those kinds of interactions and so i'm going to be really curious to see how that goes now what i'm a little bit unresolved about is is the social part like how much i'll socialize outside of the thing because i i used to be the kind of 
I was the evening party dog guy because not, <laughs> not because I wanted to party at an event, but because I knew that drunk customers were going to give me the information I really wanted about vendor. And, you know, look, if, if you want to hear the real story about how customers feel, you should show up after hours and stuff. And you, you can do that at lunch too, but at lunch they're usually pretty sober and they're kind of like looking at their schedules and like, which session am I going to go to? They and still got their game in, face on. Yeah, you know, but in the evening like it's like, oh man, you know, ever since this company acquired blah, the support's gone to crap. And, you know, that's the stuff I, I need to hear in order to like do what we do at Diginomica was just try to keep it real. Um, and so I'm not so totally sure about some of that stuff yet. And what, what I've told myself is like, I'm just going to take it, you know, uh, day by day. And I, I kind of told the event organizers, like, I'm not sure what to expect of me. <laughs> you know, I'll, I'll be at all the meetings that you book me in, but I'm, I haven't done this in a long time. And I, I'm just kind of being open about the fact that like, you know, perhaps some of that's in my head, but it, I'm going to, I'm going to have to feel my way through this again. I'm not sure. You know, well, how do you do you think the vendor has changed their approach? Have you noticed anything different uh, how they're going about communicating and, and setting this up compared to pre pandemic? Not really. This feels a little bit more like, well, we're so glad to be back together again. And I'm not really sure how many lessons have really been been learned. I'll, I'll have to report back once once I go and see. Um this this particular vendor didn't do much with the virtual stuff at all and didn't really experiment with the format and what wow. it could do. So, you know, this is kind of like, oh, we got to get back in person. And like like I told you before, I have a lot of questions and concerns about that mentality. Um, but there are a few changes, like like they never streamed their keynotes before, and those, those are going to stream live online. So there have been a few changes, but like I said, I... I really don't know. I mean, you know, I, I think most vendors for the fall, it's like things do feel different. And, you know, one thing I'm expecting is a lot more regional events because uh, I think it's just easier for our planning purposes to think about smaller scale stuff where people can commute to an event if they want to go for a day. Uh, Josh, Josh says drop by the Bay Area. Dude. <laughs> Just drive to Vegas, man. It's a nice drive. <laughs> the, the weather's lovely this time of year. I'm trying uh, to catch up on a little of these comments. Yeah, he was a big, hasn't changed. Yeah, he wasn't there for an event though. Was, I'm, yeah, I'm waiting yeah. to hear back from you on how it's changed, how how different it is. Because I'm told that the town is pretty much like living as if the pandemic never never happened. So, oh my god, that's really not good. If that's the yeah. case. Oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally. I mean, it's 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 a little unclear to me how it's all going to work. I've heard that there may be some testing protocols involved and stuff, but I honestly I don't know everything yet. I mean, you know, I I definitely feel like a little bit of a little bit of a guinea pig, but I kind of want to do this because I want to this will help me to figure out what I want to do this fall, you know, cuz I'll kind of ha have an idea of what my comfort level is and and how much you know, I want to get out there. And I'll be very, very interested to see. You know, I know that Dreamforce looks like they're going to do a series of satellite events um, as opposed to emphasizing one destination. And it looks like they're doing a lot of flex in terms of online versus attending. And 
So, you know, to me, that's kind of what it's about is providing flexibility, but I don't think flexibility is enough. I mean, I think this, this is a lot like the return to work discussion, which is like, Mm. like, like, are we really being creative around the possibilities or are we just kind of being like, Oh, let's pick the three days that people have to be back in the office and then they can like, how creative is that really? And I think that's the thing we're looking at with events too, is like, there's just so to my, to my mind, there's so much missed opportunity to say, why don't we just redo this? <laughs> you know, let, let's redo all of our thinking around it. Cause, cause Brent, I mean, you mentioned keynotes, like, do we really need to go sit through another three hour keynote ever again in our entire lives? <laughs> you know, after this experience, after seeing what they can do, if, if they, you know, condense it and it, to me, it seems to be just as effective, but a lot more pleasurable because, Everything is quick moving. It's like they some of these folks they took the cues. They understand this is more about more like a TV show, which means you have to be much quicker. You you got to have moving elements to keep us, you know, keep our attention. And they they put that in when it's a a, a regular face to face keynote. It's longer for no real reason, you know. It it's kind of more drawn out. I think that if they go back to just trying to do replicate what a keynote looked like before the pandemic without really understanding the impact that the changes made to keep our attention, that's a good thing. You should carry some of that forward. You should not roll back. I would, I'll, I'll be really interested to see if you see more elements of falling back on what we did versus incorporating the good that we found out during these virtual events and, and, and building on that, because I keep going back to what you said before pre pandemic wasn't all that great to begin with, when it comes to some of this, you know, conference experience, I think it got a little better in certain aspects because they had the change. They, they realized they couldn't keep doing the same thing virtually because Eight screens. You can turn your neck and see something that'll keep your attention. And they really realized they had to do something different. I just hope they don't, you know, do a sigh of relief. Oh, we can go back to the way things were before. Because as you said, they weren't the greatest back then either. No, I mean, the way I always looked at events was like, I'm never going to get on a plane and say this was a bad event because. See you, man. Later, Esteban. Thanks. Um, I'm never gonna no more three hour keynotes says Josh. <laughs> right, right. Because if someone if someone comes to an event in person at this point and takes that trouble, why are they there? They're not there to sit and watch the keynote, which they could have done from wherever they were already. They're coming for a very specific reason. It's not for the keynote. We we should understand that. But you know, it, it's like you 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 come to these things and I always I never complained about an event and how bad or good it was because my mentality was it's my job on the ground to hustle and get what I need out of an event. And that's what I always did. But 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 the highlights were often the hustles, right? Like mm. like like so for example, you you have like a little bit of that from the video side because you at events you do some video stuff that's planned, but you also do some unplanned stuff, right? And so like I know at one point you pulled me into something, but it was like that's the hustle. The, that's the good stuff is like that spontaneous stuff of like, Oh, let's, let's grab this conversation while it's hot and film it. And, uh, you know, or, or let me grab someone in the hallway that I really want to 
so so the hustle is what made the on the ground events good it was not really the event itself and you know and you and i have tasted this in our line of work because we get invited often to analyst events and and oh my god some of those events no offense to some of the vendors it can be so brutal as far as like let's just gather these make these people sit in this like generic room for like eight hours and do like a brain dump on all of our product direction oh. and it's like oh my god like that's not a good format i'm sorry that's not a good format and some of those days are going to start to come back this fall and yeah. I, I just think it's like, well, why don't we take a hard look at that format? Because again, what is your goal? It gets back to Esteban's point. Is your goal just to impart information or is it to deepen community and relationships? Because the highlight of those events is always the dinner, right? I mean, yeah, of, of, like of course, the networking stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Of course, the problem with some of those dinners, you wind up in like, this is inside baseball, but you wind up in assigned seats. So, <laughs> so you find yourself at like the, the kitty table, you know, like isolated from the people you really wanted to talk to or I'm going back to kindergarten all of a sudden. It's like, yeah, I'm looking for my name. So I can, yeah, yeah, there. yeah. But, 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 the, but the point being like, it's the informal stuff that gets you excited. Yeah. And you're like, you're like, well, is there maybe in, instead of telling vendors they have to just completely get rid of everything they've ever done, is there some middle ground where we can start to be a little more creative? That's kind of what I'm saying is you don't yeah. have to, you don't have to revolutionize everything overnight, but there are some cool things you could do just to basically say like, let's, let's just learn from what we've gone through and make things a little better. Look, it's the person who's responsible for all Sandy. This. There She's, she is. Sandy actually, uh, I give her a lot of credit. She, she pushed the envelope at a Zoho event based on some, an online event based on a bunch of crazy ideas. And I, I thought it was wonderful. I, I had a great time. It was one of the best analyst events of the entire year. And she took some real chances. One of the really cool things was like, um, you know, all the information available ahead of time. And so it was a focus on interaction. So they didn't spend like 20 of the 30 minutes during the discussions, briefing us on everything. They, uh, they, they were able to kind of just give a five minute overview and then open it up to discussion. It was so great. Um, so Sandy for the win. Um, what did Josh say there? Oh, you okay. was his previous, well, his long comment. He wrote a book there. Uh, my main takeaway from the shift to online. I don't want to get on a plane to go sit in a room and take dictation while execs speak at me about what they want me to hear. I can do that at my desk. Actually don't want to do that easier. If I'm going to make that effort, I'm looking for what I need, not what the vendor thinks or hopes I need. I hope Ooh. I said that the right way, uh, well, Josh. Josh. I try to. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Josh almost I, wrote a blog post there for us. It's awesome. <laughs> it, all I can say is, in the congregation, said Amen. All right, there, the Reverend absolutely. Josh. Absolutely, Josh. Yeah, preach. You know yeah. what? One thing I, I I really appreciated with the Zoho Day Analyst Event was I got a chance to actually DJ it, which is kind of cool, you know? Oh, yeah, you were spinning. That was, was awesome. But the best part of it was actually seeing the dancing that the analysts... Were you were were you were there, yeah. weren't you? Yeah, I were had my not, hat on. I had my you know, cool hat I, on. Yeah, that's right. But, you know, I didn't see you dancing because I was so... <laughs> there were some folks on there doing the hula dance. I mean, I, I, I saw... I was playing a song and Sandy made me play BB, BBD uh, Poison. You know, that's one of her favorites. Oh, so yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I literally looked at and there's like you know, 20 people, each in, in their little Zoom square. And I could have, it looked to me like they were all dancing to different songs. 
although I was playing one song, but it was really interesting to see. But that and that was a Zoho. Uh, that I, I do have to say that was the second DJ event for an analyst event I did because Salesforce had me do one a little before that. But the 20 dancing analysts in the Zoom box, that was priceless. That was Sandy does it again. That's like Oh, yes. And Brian Summer. Yes. If You got to check out the video and look at Brian because Brian was the guy who looked like he had no clue as to what was going on, why all these people were moving so weirdly and why that song was playing. Yeah. He just looked like he had no idea what was going on. That, that, that was out, outside his comfort zone, but it's beautiful. <laughs> it's beautiful. I, I, I know I was trying to like request you to play a Prince song and I was like, where's oh, my Prince? That would have been see, awesome, but... It would have been, but see, once I pull out a Prince song, I can't just stop at one man. So I, I gotta. I, yeah, we would have we would have gone gone deep into the back catalog. <laughs> we would have been like hitting Erotic City. Yeah, yeah. Oh, look, Sandy uh, wants the link. I, I will, I will re, I will. Josh was, I will refine the link. It's on. I know I posted it on LinkedIn. I will find it and I will make sure because we, every every analyst must see this, especially if you were in that. Because you were doing some serious dancing there. All right. Should we should we do a teaser for the crossover thing? Yes, because you know this is just part one. This is the law and order part. Yeah. Of of the crossover tomorrow, we're going on John's show, and I'll be a guest on his show, and we're going to be talking a little bit about data privacy and to kind of kick things off so that we can leave you kind of in suspense. So that you can actually come over and actually see what we talk about tomorrow. Here is just a little taste of privacy, kind of what we're going to be talking about. Twitter was just cool. saying no ads for ten dollars a month. Does that mean I'm not getting tracked for ten dollars a month, or does that just mean <laughs> I'm not seeing ads in my timeline for ten dollars a month? Right? That is what are you paying for at that point? That's a that is a, that is a, that's a very good point. Is that is a trust factor? You know, take something like Gmail. Gmail, you know, your your paid version, business version doesn't get ads. Doesn't mean that they're not being tracked. So there is a duality here. You on one side you want to make money in a certain way, on the other side you want to you know offer trust. These two are not separate. These has to be together. So trust is something you build you know to a brand by doing and believing in something. And that belief is is, is the critical. So customers are not going to trust. And even today, uh, I don't know if. You know, some of the the business data is being sold, or you know, even though when I'm paying, it is likely that my assumption is that they are tracking all that information and using it for some other purpose. They may not be doing it, but that is part of the previous point I was making, where trust is at an all-time low. So businesses have to make this decision. You know, maybe uh, saying, "Hey, we're going to take this seriously, and we're going to get out of this this tracking business," and they have to make it explicit. Right. How'd you like that theme music too? By the way, did you like the little theme music mm. in the background? <laughs> kind of, yeah, kind of. You know, kind of set the stage. Because so we're we're I I work I partnered with Zoho on a, a data privacy thing, and then you know we're just constantly talking about it because the issue is not going away; it's getting bigger and bigger. And so that's what we're going to be talking about on on. Uh, all right, do you have an official name? Is it called Enterprise Hits or Misses? It's yeah, it's called it. It's technically it's Enterprise Hits and Misses Radio, which is kind of weird because it's a video show. <laughs> uh, but it, but yeah, it's it's Hits and Misses Radio. But uh, but yeah, it's gonna be good. I mean, 
I, I want to talk about this with you for a few different reasons. I recently crashed a big vendor event that had like big people in it, like uh, Zo uh, Zoom executive, um, Salesforce leadership. And I, I pressed the question of these remote working tools are really powerful, but they're, they're, they're tracking, they're tracking employees. They're creating all this digital exhaust. And I was looking for a commitment from vendors. Do you, do you challenge your customers on the appropriate use of that data? And, uh, you know, and, and are, are you using that data to sur surveil your own employees? That's just one part of this whole privacy thing. But I, but I want to ask you, cause, cause what was interesting was that it created a lot of awkwardness when I asked that question. And, um, yeah. but, but I think it is important. And I think like what, what you raised in that clip is super interesting, which we can get into tomorrow, which is like, do comp do businesses even realize the implications of some of the services they're using and how third-party services are making money off of them and what does that mean to their commitment to their customers? And so you've done a whole study on this. I'm gonna I'm gonna pick into what you've learned. Oh and we're right. gonna see. We're gonna see where that goes. Two cities <laughs> under duress to be to, to be continued. That was such a nice setup, a nice tease, man. So, so uh, you got to check out tomorrow, one o'clock, same time, same, same time. channel, right? Same channel because it'll be right here. Pretty there. much, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, it'll be started from his profile, but uh, yeah, join us. This would be good. The crossover, you could say it. And I, as I put in the little the teaser, it is a what did I call it? A, a super or an important social media television event or something like that you know because you know this is linkedin live so we can absolutely like let's right, make right. it so let's make it Thanks, so man. Let's, let's do it tomorrow we will see you then take care sounds we good we are out laters uh, we'll be out if i can only hit the end broadcast button there we go <laughs>